Blue Wire. Welcome to another emergency episode of That's What B Said, a Cleveland sports podcast brought to you by Untuck It. I'm Brittany Mollis, and I'm joined tonight by my very good friend, Meredith Kane. Hi, Meredith. Hello. How you doing? Um, I'm good. So the uh, the news was so breaking that I didn't have time to unpack my boxes and find my microphone. So I apologize if my quality is a little less than normal. Um, I just moved and my entire life is in boxes and I have no idea where my microphone is. So I'm using an internal Skype recorder for this podcast because that's how emergency we are. Hey, you know, it's not our fault. If they would stop just doing this, we wouldn't have to keep recording stuff. They should have done what they did with... uh, Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley and just do it all at the same time. I don't even want to talk about that day. <laughs> just do it in one fell swoop where Hugh Jackson gets fired at like 9 a.m. And then 9.15, Todd Haley is also gone. Don't get me in my feelings right now. Okay. I won't get you in your feelings, but that's what they should have done. But I know. Um... I know. They should have, really. Like, I don't understand what the... First of all, it was, it was shocking that they... I just assumed that they would have waited to fire Freddie and then they did it like immediately. So then once that was done, I was like, all right, so that's it. Like, let's find another coach. Nope. Today. Here we go. Although I think we failed to mention that the breaking news is that uh, John Dorsey and the Cleveland Browns have mutually supposedly parted ways. Um, No, they've definitely mutually uh, parted ways, but John Dorsey is no longer the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. Um, I guess the, story that came out was that the Haslam's are looking to restructure Berea and John Dorsey was not happy with what they wanted to restructure. Uh, I think he was supposedly going to have less control and less power and he wasn't willing to work with that. So there, I guess there could have been a possibility that John Dorsey didn't lose his job today, but because he stood his ground, he is no longer wearing brown and orange. What a day. Also, I just want to remind everyone that Brie is still out of town. She picked one hell of a week to go out of town. My gosh. I know. Like, how rude of the Cleveland Browns to be doing all of this while our lovely Brie is on vacation and trying to have a good time with her family. Those monsters. (laughs) So rude. So rude. Yeah. So, um, it's been a day. Uh, you know, I, there's just... I typed out all this stuff for us to talk about mm-hmm. and we're not going to do a long one tonight because it's New Year's Eve and, you know, not that we have any plans. I'm sitting here <laughs> drinking Jameson out of a cat mug in my pajamas. <laughs> uh, I'm sitting in an empty room on a yoga mat because that's all I have in the way of furniture right now. Yeah. Um. But one of the things that sort of stood out to me today was, you know, when John Dorsey got hired... And considering all the moves that he made, um, I was never a huge fan of his, admittedly. I've said that repeatedly. And it, it wasn't because necessarily the the things that he did, the moves that he made. It was like the character of the individuals that he took chances on. Um, I was never sold on it. The whole Josh Gordon thing put a bad taste in my mouth from almost the beginning. Uh, but, you know, he was he was a fan favorite. And I think one of the most shocking things I saw today was that how quickly fans turned on him. Like these yeah. loyal Dorsey boys. <laughs> All of a sudden, this. they were just out. They're like, all right, you know, it's fine. I don't care. When just like a year ago, you guys are trying to build statues for this fan. Like I, if, <laughs> you ser- if you search Twitter right now and go through and, and search John Dorsey statues, there are like probably dozens, maybe hundreds of tweets about that. So it's just, I'm worried about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, the, the top turned pretty quickly on Freddie Kitchens as well once they saw that he didn't have the capabilities to truly be a head coach, at least not yet. And I feel like people kind of turned on Baker a little bit too because his production was down and he wasn't looking like the 2018 Baker. So I I just feel like a lot of these guys with the Cleveland Browns that have been held in such high regard are now just, you know, 
Baker shouldn't be doing any commercials. Baker is out of shape. Freddie Kitchens is an idiot. John Dorsey is, you know, doesn't know what he's doing. Like, yeah. it's it's insane that everyone has taken. And right when the news broke, I tweeted um, that firing, and this is actually, no, this is before the news broke. This was, or before it was official, like there were rumors. And I said, firing John Dorsey is dumber than hiring Freddie Kitchens. And I realized the irony of that tweet. And I realized it when I, when I tweeted it, because I know John Dorsey was the one who hired Freddie Kitchens. But the reason I still, I guess, kind of support John Dorsey as a general manager is his ability to scout talent because the roster is in such better shape now than it was two years ago before he got here. Um, I think the nail in his coffin was how, uh, you know, how, how much he had Freddie's back throughout mm-hmm. the whole process. And I think, you know, that's a little bit of the John Dorsey ego coming in. Like he can't ever really admit that he's made a mistake and, and Freddie was a mistake. Like we knew that by the bye week yeah. that Freddie Kitchens was a mistake and, and John Dorsey wasn't, or at least this is my speculation was that he wasn't willing to admit that he got it wrong. And I think that's why he still, you know, died on the Freddie Kitchens Hill because you know, he didn't, he didn't want to be wrong about him, but that was the nail in the coffin for him. And I do think that that, you know, is the black mark on his record that sort of did him in. Yeah, for sure. And that's one of the reasons, you know, when I said that I didn't think that Freddie was going to get fired was because I had no, like, I, I never would have believed that they were going to fire John Dorsey. I thought that was all just talk. You know, I thought that he did more good than bad while he was here. Um, and I thought that would be enough to save his job, but my biggest reason for that was because I, I look at John Dorsey and I see, you know, he has an ego. He just does. And yes. I'm like, this man, he's not going to admit that he was wrong about Freddie Kitchens. And then, of course, today they reported that he still wanted to give him another year. And you know that probably factored into uh, it. It's hard oh, to it say. If, it, it's, it's hard to say if that actually factored in. Because you look at the Haslam's and you're like, okay, these people are clearly insane. <laughs> Like, right. I think at this point we can all agree that uh, Jimmy and D, man, uh, I I just, I have to think that they're insane people. Like all of it. Well, I think the problem is they don't know how to run a football team. And up until today, I always thought that Dan Snyder was the worst owner in all of sports. But Mm -hmm. now even Dan Snyder is starting to do things that are slightly smarter than in the past and i i was still in favor of keeping john dorsey because he because he does know what he's doing like even though he makes mistakes and even though he made a mistake with freddie and then subsequently supporting freddie mm-hmm. um you know he still is one of the top talent scouts in in the nfl in my opinion and he knows how to build a good roster and sure um you know, and so I think that there were good reasons for wanting to keep John Dorsey, but you know, there weren't any good reasons for keeping Freddie Kitchens. Like Freddie Kitchens did yeah. not know what he's doing. He still doesn't know what he's doing. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons why he was so blindsided by his firing was because in his mind he's not a bad football coach. Like I well, like I also- think Freddie Kitchens genuinely believes that he's a good football coach, and I think that's one of the reasons why his firing took him so much by surprise but yeah the the John Dorsey thing I just I think that was a mistake it was um, it was reported today though that the Haslam's had met with Freddie before they went to um, Cincinnati and they were going over like plans for next year like this was the morning of the the game or like the night before or whatever so and like, if that's true that's really shitty of them because I believe but like I believe it 100% because you look at Jimmy and Dee and you're like these people are crazy. <laughs> I believe that they just make decisions like just like that and they're like okay uh, a a flip is switched and like that's it. You're just yeah, ready think, to go. Yeah, it's I feel like they're easily influenced so I think whoever has their ear at that time kind of is the person that sways their opinion. And I feel yeah. like that's why things are just so disorganized and so confusing and that you never really know what's going on. And I feel like there are probably people in the organization that feel the same way where they're like, wait, you know, yesterday I was reporting to this person. Now you're telling me I'm reporting to this person. What's going on? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I said uh, the other day, I said one of the biggest thing, the issues that I see with the Browns year after year after year, and it's been like this um, probably at least for the last five years for sure, there just always seems to be this power struggle, right? So you never know who's calling the shots, who's deciding, you know, who's playing on Sundays, who decides who comes to the team, like all of it. And it's just like what they have to do, like, more than anything to get any sort of foundation set in this franchise is say clearly clearly lay out duties for each person so the head coach this is what you're doing this is your job gm this is exactly what you're doing this is your job you know president whatever but like everyone has to have clear-cut duties so that there's not this continuing power struggle that I think that's the demise of the Cleveland Browns and that's what it's always going to be until they figure this out right now. So I agree with that and I think the biggest role for the Haslam's and what their I guess duty should be is to write a check and get out of the way Mm -hmm. because like that's I mean and that's the thing is that you know you're not going to find um you know, there situations like, say, Michael Jordan or owning the Charlotte Hornets, like that kind of thing is pretty rare where you have an ex-athlete owning a team. Like the mm-hmm. Haslam's are not, you know, football people. They're they're billionaires. Mm-hmm. And so they, they buy a team with their money and their job is to hire people who know what they're doing. And then when the people who know what they're doing say, hey, let's cut a check for this person. Hey, let's get rid of this person then the Haslam's say, okay, yeah, that's, that's their job as owners. And that's one of the reasons why I've always hated Dan Snyder so much as an NFL owner, because, you know, he was a fan of the Washington Redskins growing up. And so he bought the team and, you know, up until, you know, firing Bruce Allen a few days ago, he, I mean, he might still be doing this, but he treated that team like it was his own personal fantasy football team. Right. And that's one of the reasons why the Redskins have been so bad for so long. And while the Haslam's aren't treating the Browns like it's their own personal football team, they're more involved than they should be as yes. owners. Yes. And like you think about any, you know, anyone listening, think about the place that you work. If you have people there that don't know their specific duties and you have an owner that like likes to put his hands on everything all the time, how, like it's it's bred for chaos. There's this is going to be chaos until they stop doing that. They have to just keep their and I hate to say like mind your business because I mean this is your business. This is literally your business. It's more of like a stay in your lane is I think where you're going. Yes, with this. yes, yes. Yeah. Stay in your lane. And just you have to hire people you could trust. Stop hiring and firing and hiring and firing. That's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. And- so this time. The most important thing here is that they cannot, they absolutely 100% cannot afford to botch this one. They oh, can't. yeah. They've, like, that's the thing. Is that, and that was one of the things that I thought about earlier today, because, and I hate using a Hugh Jacksonism, but, you know, he always said that everyone has their one mulligan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess Freddie Kitchens was John Dorsey's one mulligan. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, he, well, he had a few mulligans. But the, the thing with John, with, I guess, between Freddie and John is I know a lot of people that were, uh, in favor of keeping Freddie were the people who want consistency because that's mm-hmm. also one of the issues that you were just laying out is, you know, not only is it just people not knowing what they're doing, but you you clearly said this with the hiring and the firing. And so a lot of people were saying, oh, okay, well, let's keep Freddie because, you know, we can't just fire a head coach after one year. Well, yeah. with Freddie, it, it made sense. With John Dorsey, that is someone that I think they should have considered keeping around for consistency's sake and giving him one more year yeah. to to see what, what he can do. And if the Browns in 2020 look the way they did in 2019, then yes, you have a case to fire John Dorsey, especially when you have people like Trevor Lawrence who are going to be entering the draft in, for, in 2020 and 20, or 2021. And, um, you know, Justin Fields is going to be entering the draft in 2021. So like those are, you know, that's kind of what you're looking at is that if Baker doesn't pan out, you know, that's a John Dorsey pick. If John Dorsey isn't able to take this roster with all of this talent and turn it around, then it's clearly a John Dorsey issue. So I I think that John Dorsey could have at least gotten one more year, but um, like you said, you know, seems to be the Haslam's are easily influenced. And I'm wondering if our favorite fictional character oh. is the one currently influencing Jimmy and Dee 
my man. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, Todd Haley. <laughs> He's a cartoon. <laughs> There's a new crush in town. Like, we need to like find someone with some talent that can like draw Paul D. Podesta as a cartoon because at, at this point I think he is like I can't I am I spent most of the day just in awe of this man because he's like he's pulling all he, he's calling all the shots from like San Diego wherever he is you yeah, know he's never is, there he just like chirps and has like ear every once in a while and he's been doing this for years. I know. And it's, it's about like, to say, dude, it's a long, it is a long play too. Yeah. Like he's been planting these seeds for a while. Imagine being that powerful and never even having to really show up. You just talk and like, that's it. You know, I, I, until, you know, I Googled him to see if he was <laughs> as hot as he was in my mind. <laughs> so was he? He's not, but like, he still has that. <laughs> he still has that bde because that's just like i i've never like he i've never seen a more powerful human being in, yeah. in sports like he's like this shadow i picture him like this shadowy figure that just sits in the back of every room and like not saying anything i am just i'm blown away that he has this much power yeah and i have a feeling that uh he is going to be uh an influence on who the next GM is and who the next coach is. And I also think that that was another nail in John Dorsey's coffin was the fact that the restructuring uh, from what I'm hearing was John Dorsey getting less power and Paul D Podesta getting more. And John said no. And they said, okay, so the Haslam's chose D Podesta over John Dorsey. And, you know, (laughs) Paul D. Podesta's the nerd. He's the analytics guy. Surprise so. of the nerds. We brought Sashi Wars back today, and now we're re- we're introducing Podesta Wars. It's a great time to be alive. So not, <laughs> It's a I'm great not, time to be a nerd. That's I'm what not, I should say. I'm not anti-analytics. Like, I'm, you know, as big of a nerd as the next person. I mean, you kind of have mm. to be to be in this industry. But mm. um, I, I think that there is something to be said for the quote-unquote football guy. Like, you can't have just analytics because how many times have you taken stats and used whatever stats you need to support your argument like that like the stats only tell part of the story and like the football guys only tell part of the story and that's why you need both of them because you can look at a page and you can see the numbers and you can see the trends and you can see the analytics and what's going on but you don't see you know the personal relationships you don't see the growth you don't see necessarily what's happening on the field in real time you know you're only it's like the matrix where you're only seeing things like in data as it's appearing yeah so that's why i like i i think that there's a lot of value in analytics and i think that every team that wants to win should use analytics but you also can't discount the football guy yeah no like i i want to live in a world where they can like coexist i have a hard time believing that that is completely possible though like i mean you know nerds and you know football guys yeah just like in in life it's not even like with football just as personalities and (laughs) (laughs) i'm thinking about it now and i'm like i don't know too many that like work together and like each other and the reason i like the nerds so much is because i don't understand them like (laughs) i admire people that do things that i could never although i can never be like a football person either but like i could at least watch football and understand it yeah as far as like analytics and stats and numbers and all screw that man (laughs) yeah i mean and like i understand numbers to an extent there are people who understand it better than i do which is one of the reasons why i don't necessarily work on the numbers side of things but i mean yeah they're complicated and they can tell a lot of stories and then you can even see in like certain sports like you know, I know this is not a hockey podcast and I'll probably get killed for bringing up hockey because I always do, Boo. but like, Boo you know, this like, woman. <laughs> no, but like my favorite bullshit stat in hockey is Corsi because it literally doesn't really tell you anything. Like Corsi? It's just, yeah. They're, they're, what yeah, there's something called, yeah. There's something called a Corsi number and it has to do with like their minutes on ice versus uh, their production. So it's, it's a very nerdy thing and the hockey nerds love using the Corsi number, but I'm just like, it's a single number that doesn't tell you much of anything at all. But you know, that's why I'm like looking at this and it's like, we need, we need to have, you know, the Paul D. Podestas and the John Dorsey's of the world to figure out how to work together. Like we need the, like the Zach Morris and the Screech Powers duo. Cause like, you know, like we need to figure that out. It can't happen. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. If you go back and watch Saved by the Bell, Zach Morris was a shithead. So he was kind of smart, though. Yeah, like he was kind of like smart in a in you know like street smart. He was like okay, AC Slater and Screech. Yeah, that's like more John Dorsey and. That's true. Yeah, Zach Morris was manipulative. Um, yeah, but he was like, yeah, he was sneaky smart. Yeah, that's why he's a shithead. Because <laughs> everything was everything was to benefit him. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm almost wondering if Paul D. Podesta is kind of like a little bit of a Zach Morris. Not that I'm calling D. Podesta a shithead, but I think he knows how to get what he wants. And oh, he's, absolutely. You don't become you, that powerful by not yeah, knowing and, how to get what you want. Like, and I, clearly I he's willing to be patient. Because, I want to marry him. Oh, my God. Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I know you've joked around about guys that you would literally ruin your life for, but Paul D. Podesta would ruin your life and not in a good way. I would smile the whole time. <laughs> like, you just, it wouldn't be like the film in Louise where you're just like flying off the edge of the cliff and being like, this is the life. This is what I wanted. Right. Like he, I, I would, I'm not even going to talk about it anymore. So, okay. We can't talk about Paul D. Podesta anymore because I'm getting worked up. Oh my god. Well, maybe we should talk about... Uh, Hold on, there's how... something that I want to talk about real quick, just okay. because I think this is very important. Okay. Um, I just want to say hello to Dee Haslam, because she is my hero. What did she do, aside from wearing the uh, Miles Garrett cap? I just feel like if I were a billionaire owner, I would be exactly her. Because she doesn't seem... I'm not saying she's not smart. Obviously, you don't become a billionaire by being like not smart. But she seems... Like, she's kind of running the show here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I could, yeah. Yeah. And I really think that she would like all of my terrible ideas and probably take them seriously. Like, oh, as, yeah, that's right. So you yes. tweeted earlier today that you had a bunch of terrible ideas. I kind yeah. of want to hear them. What are your terrible ideas? I mean, I just, like, I have a plethora of terrible ideas <laughs> with everything, always. So, that like, and I just want to have, I would love to get wine drunk with D Haslam one day. <laughs> And just shoot the shit with her because I think that would be the best day of my life. I kind of love that woman. It probably would be. Um, so I've, I've met Dee. She's kind of like the, she's the quiet person. Like she doesn't talk very loud. She's, you know, she's tiny. She's smaller than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she's just like one of those people that when she walks in the room, you know, you kind of take a step back and, you know, you don't get in her way. So, yeah, she's definitely powerful. Although they, she is from Tennessee, so I don't know that she would do wine, but she would probably do whiskey. Like, I'm sure she would, you know, Even sit better. down a bottle of Jameson with you or there some you go. Jack. So, I mean, I'd drink Jack Daniels for D. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> so, yeah, I just want to throw that out there because we've been talking a lot about the Haslams and we've been getting them a lot of shit. I know that, but, like, D Haslam, I love you. You are you. You and Marvin Lewis are actually my personal hero. <laughs> you know what? Um, I bet I bet D Haslam would dress Jimmy in untuckets. Ever seen untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size, shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50-plus fit combinations, Untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untucked style online or check out one of our 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucked, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole package devoted to helping you find your fit. So, D Haslam, if you're shopping for the perfect shirt for Jimmy, <laughs> or if you're just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style for your man, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com, use code BLUE, that's B-L-U-E, for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com, promo code BLUE, for 20% off. So I want to go into um, some messages that I received today because yes. we um, we have had uh, our very good friend Bob Evans on the podcast before. We've named him Rational Bob, and mm-hmm. he shall stay Rational Bob. However, I think I have found someone that might be giving Rational Bob a run for his rational mind. <gasps> what? So um, this is a good friend of mine. His name is Jared. And uh, he disagreed with me about the firing of John Dorsey. And I asked him why. 
Uh, and these are quite a few messages, but I'll do my best to uh, read through them so that people can kind of hear this guy's opinion. So he says, you know, Dorsey looked at decades of how to build a team, ignored it, brought on big egos, a ton of money, and then hired Freddie Kitchens. If Baker doesn't have a bounce back year in 2020, they'll be looking for a quarterback again in the 2021 draft. The Browns remain a joke. Uh, and then he Ooh. sort of listed all of the mistakes that John Dorsey has made, which is, you know, or Najoku, Peppers, Kaiser, sorry, Corbett, Thomas, Callaway, Taki Taki. All of them either can't see the field, don't play for the Browns. Uh, He hired Kitchens, gave him absolute control over the offense, never forced a change. He kept Hugh after a winless season. He let Greg Williams walk. Uh, He spent irresponsibly. He was silent all season during a disaster season. Didn't address the offensive line to protect Baker. Instead, acquiring glamour positions with huge salaries and bigger egos. Uh, He botched the Randall situation by not stepping in during his mystery benching. Just like he did with Hollywood Higgins, he signed Kareem Hunt, who tackled and kicked a woman on camera. The jury is still out on Baker Mayfield. Uh, He also says Browns wanting to keep him from getting OBJ is like if your parents bought you a new car for Christmas, but burned it down or but burned down the garage and turned your bedroom into a refugee camp, but being like, quote, got that car though. So this is this is spicy. Yeah. What's a spicy Jared? That's yeah, what I call him. <laughs> we might have to go with spicy Jared rather this than spicy rational Jared. Jared. But, this but is not ra- bo- <laughs> rational. Bob would never. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He would 100% soften this blow. This is this is hard. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not wrong on a lot of those things. No, he's not. Um, he's not. And, and, you know, that's why I called him Rational Jared is because it's a very well thought out argument. But I think uh-huh. like we said earlier in the podcast, while John Dorsey wasn't perfect, he did a lot more good than bad. Because like and yeah. a lot of that stuff is a little nitpicky that he pointed out. You know, it's like one of those things where... Um, you know, if someone is say like painting a picture and you're like pointing out every little thing that they did wrong, but you're like, Hey, Mm. this is still a really good picture. And I kind of feel like that's sort of what John Dorsey was doing. He was painting a picture with the Cleveland Browns and there were a lot of mistakes in the picture, but you know, like a, any good Monet, if you step back and look at it from a distance, (laughs) you know, it looked really good. But, uh, you know, I think that, you know, a few things were unforgivable which you know was the the freddie kitchens situation and then the fact that paul de podesta has some big dick energy can we say that word oh i said it and i am not editing it out this is a family show i mean yes it is <laughs> but i feel like people need to learn about big dick energy because if yeah because don't... there was a lot of people today that didn't know what bde was i tried to clean know. it up and they were like i had to google it and ew i'm like okay grow up no like i mean here's the thing you don't need to be a man to have big dick energy it's just True. like it's just what you like d haslam has big dick energy like oh let's yeah be real. i feel like i have bde oh you absolutely do easily yeah. oh god of course you there. do got that energy i mean you're the alpha i'm the beta right <laughs> i am the alpha yeah i got that voice everyone knows it's me because i sound like a, I sound like a surfer dude on here <laughs> surfer dude yeah red man <laughs> oh my god so no but i think um spicy jared makes a lot of good points he does um, Overall, I do still think that John Dorsey did more good than bad, but you have to look at his body of work and you had this, you brought in this talent, but then you hired the, you hired this coach that coached this team to a six and 10 record. This very on paper, very good team. Yes, um, and, this team- and there was a lot of games that could have gone, not a lot of, but a few games that could have gone either way. Some that stick out, um, Seattle game, that that one still hurts. Yeah. You know? Well, the the thing about this team is that they went six and ten despite of Freddie, not because of Freddie. Yeah. Um, and and that's really what it comes down to. I really wish I knew what John Dorsey's line of thinking was in wanting to keep Freddie. I I, I think when he he hired didn't want to admit he was wrong. That's it. Like that's the yeah. bottom line. I think that that is, you know, we could go into the the, the weeds of it, but at the end of the day, John D- John Dorsey has an ego. He has to to have his position, you know, in all fairness. But like, 
that was his thing. He wasn't going to admit that he was wrong about him. He wasn't. Yeah, and that was, yeah, that was his undoing, unfortunately. So I guess where do we go from here, unfortunately, is what we have to look at, which is so frustrating because we have yet another December slash January where it's a coaching search. And now it's not just a coaching search, but it is a general manager search. Before we get into that, I have one question. Okay. Because we're going to get into what happens now because we have it split up into, you know, different camps. And today I learned that the NFL is very clicky. By the way, I had no idea. I was I was trying to explain everything to my mother, and I had to like, um, I had to like get out a sharpie and start drawing on things. Be like, this guy doesn't like this guy. And this why <laughs> this guy can't work with this guy, and this guy screwed over this guy's friend, and it was it was a disaster. But you know, before we get into that question, because people were asking me this today, are you giving up on Baker? No. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to give up on Baker just because I think that this year he was a product of the play calling. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do think that there were other few things. I think that this year was the wake up call for, for Baker, you know, like when you hit your rock bottom and you're like, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. I think that if Baker is smart, he's going to look at this year as his rock bottom because, you know, it's not a hundred percent on, on Freddie, you know, Mm -hmm. they're, there were, you know, he, he came into this season thinking that it was going to be a cakewalk because he is so talented himself and he is surrounded with talented people like OBJ and Jarvis and Nick Chubb. And at the time, you know, he still had his guy in Hollywood Higgins because this was before, um, you know, Hollywood started getting benched mysteriously over and over again. But, mm-hmm. you know, Baker was kind of thinking that this season was going to be easy. And I think that it was a wake up call for him that it wasn't. So, I am not going to give up on him because I want to have the faith that he is going to hit the weight room and he is going to reevaluate this season and how he approached it and do things completely different going into next season. Like to me, Baker gets one more year. If Baker kind of, if he goes back to the 2018 Baker that we saw in the second half of last year under Greg Williams, Mm -hmm. then we know that we've got the guy, but, um, but no, I think it's too early to give up on Baker just because of the situation that he was in. You know, like, and we can bring up Deshaun Kaiser where he was kind of set up to fail in the same way with Hugh Jackson and you feel kind of bad for him. But the difference between Deshaun and Baker is that Baker has the talent that Deshaun really didn't. So um, I think that Baker is smart enough and he is talented enough to get back to, you know, vintage 2018 Baker. So. Yeah. I don't. No, I I one hundred percent agree with you. I'm not giving up on Baker. I won't. Um, one of the things that I I sincerely hope that he works on, and it's not even like on field stuff because that's a whole different discussion. But just I saw that video of him yelling at those Bengals fans. On did you see that? Yes, I did. Yeah. And I just shook my head and I'm like, dude, are you are you ever gonna learn? To yeah, just I, shut up. Yeah, just I just shut up. It's so easy to do. You just don't open your mouth. It's it's literally the like the simplest thing in in life that you could do is just not talk. Yeah, he needs to stay off of social media. He needs to ignore what Colin Cowherd is saying. Um, although I was talking to uh, one of my colleagues who used to play in the NFL and said that he doesn't really fault Baker too much for that video in the tunnel, just because. Uh, it was a high stress situation anyway. There were a lot of stakes for the Browns and, mm. you know, he was kind of in game mode. And uh, my colleague said that there's a possibility that he didn't even realize that what he was doing, that, you know, he was just so like hyper-focused and laser focused on wanting to get into this game that he was willing to chirp at anyone. So I'll give him a like partial pass for that. But overall, um, you know, as much as we love Baker on social media and as lo- much as we love Baker clapping back, at the national media for, you know, for downplaying him. I I do think that getting off of Instagram and getting off of Twitter would be very healthy for him. And I think probably step one into, you know, becoming who he's destined to be as a quarterback. Yeah. 100%. I hope that, you know, he takes his time and does that because it's, it's all fun and games when they're winning, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're all like, oh, yeah, that's my quarterback shotgun, that beer, talk shit, Tony Grossi. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when we're losing, it's a whole different thing. And I just hope that, you know, he matures. He's only 24, so I'm going to give him time. 
it doesn't really seem like it's in his wheelhouse to be quiet. That doesn't seem like it's something that he's ever been, right? Right. Baker Mayfield has always been Baker Mayfield. Um, But I do hope either he he works hard enough to back it up next season or he just stops talking. Like there's got to, that's where I'm at with him right now. Honestly, it could be a little bit of both. Like he can stop talking and play well enough to back up all the shit that he's said, you know, for the past year and a half, two years. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think, I think that giving up on him now is dumb and short sighted, but I'm just, I'm worried that you bring in these new guys and they're going to want, they're going to be like John Dorsey and be like, no, and that's the hardest part because right now, you know, we're looking at this half finished Monet that Mm. John Dorsey started. And now you're bringing in a new artist. Like you're bringing in Picasso now and Picasso's like, well, this isn't my style. Like I want to, I want to paint a completely different picture. So that's the problem with putting nerds and jocks together. (laughs) They have different visions, man. And now we're like, oh no, we're going back to the nerd style. And I don't know how that's going to (laughs) work. Cause you got this roster that this jock built and whew. You know what we should do, Brittany? You know how they have uh, like corporate retreats for uh, for companies where everyone goes into the woods and does like trust exercises. Mm-hmm. We should create one of those ourselves, but have it be for the nerds and the jocks getting along. Like it could be yes. our own like nerd jock retreat. <laughs> I will lead the nerds. You can lead the jocks. Oh God. Okay. All right. Who okay. would Bree? What team would Bree be on? I f- so I feel like you would lead the nerds and Bree uh-huh. would lead the jocks. And I feel like I would sort of be like the mediary between the two. Okay. Like, yeah. You know, she is very athletic. She was like a superstar in high school, like at basketball. I think she still holds records. Yeah. Cause she was saying on Twitter today that she would never date a guy who couldn't make a jump shot or something like that. Yes. So, I mean, I was like, that's a really specific deal breaker, but I got, I mean, respect. Yeah. It's weird that an alpha male like me would like nerds so much. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a good compliment. Like, that's the thing is that the, like, it's sort of like the yin and the yang of things. Like, it's really hard to have two of the same people, Mm -hmm. um, you know, get together in any kind of situation, whether it's a friendship, a work relationship, a romantic relationship. Like I could never date me. You know, like yeah. I would like if if there was a male version of me and I tried to date him, we would kill each other. Oh my like, god! <laughs> like all I want in life is a male version of me. <laughs> <laughs> I would date me in a heartbeat. Are you like, kidding me? I think I need someone who's like the opposite of me because, <laughs> like, I like, like I get like I take a lot of things very personally, and I hold a lot of things like close to the best. Mm-hmm. Um. But I also know, like, I'm annoying. Like, I'm really annoying. And I think if I was, like, with someone exactly like me, I'd be like, oh, my God, this person is so annoying. So, you know, I would... <laughs> See, my problem is that I don't think – I'm not really annoying because I'm kind of too laid back for that. But I do go off the rails a lot. Like, I need someone <laughs> to keep me focused. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I need – I don't think I'm necessarily a nerd. I'm I'm not a nerd. I just love the nerds. So that's where we're at on that. Okay. But speaking of the nerds. Yes. Here we go. Let's go. All right. So the question now becomes what happens? What direction are we going? We got all these openings. We got head coach to fill. We got GM to fill. What the hell happens now? So according to the Twitter GMs, and, you know, like radio personalities, people that you watch and pay attention, uh, different reports, uh, interviews that they the Browns have set up already. We've sort of compiled three separate plans that we could see this going. Okay. Mm-hmm. So plan A would obviously be McDaniels, who seems to be a favorite of the Haslam's. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd be head coach with either Dave Ziegler or uh, what's his name? Nick Casario. Casario. Yeah. Okay. So that looks like if I had to guess, that's what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. I think that's what that's kind of what they want. I kind of get the impression that that's sort of where it was going, because if McDaniels is a favorite of the Haslam's, which is sort of what seems like it is. You know, McDaniels would have never worked with John Dorsey. So I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. in, in their meeting today, the Haslam's, you know, one of the likely scenarios of what happened in that meeting is them coming in and saying, you know, we're going to look extensively for this head coach, 
but our number one choice is Josh McDaniels. And, you mm-hmm. know, John Dorsey would be like, oh, no. <laughs> so um, that seems to be like the scenario that the Haslam's want. And, and, and you know, it, it may not necessarily happen because, you know, there's always situations of like, well, this is what I want and this is what feels like it's going to happen. And then it doesn't. So there's, you know, until things are set in stone, they're not set in stone. But, right. you know, plan A seems to be the plan A of the Haslam's as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not... I keep going back on back and forth on McDaniels and it's because I look at I'm not going to hold hold it against him what happened in Denver because it was like you know like 10 years ago and I understand that people do learn they grow and change and everything and Hopefully. 10 years is a long time Hopefully. um but I look at the way the whole Indianapolis situation was handled and you know that rubbed me the wrong way. It did at the time. It's it, it looking. It still it left a bad taste in my mouth about him, his character. Okay. Yeah. But then, and this is how my mind works. So then I was thinking about that, and I'm like, but you know, does that really matter when it comes to football? And I start looking at Baker Mayfield. Okay. And apparently, McDaniel's wanted to you know find a way to draft Baker Mayfield when he was in New England. That's what I heard today several times. People were telling me that. Um. So I'm like, okay, well, he apparently likes Baker Mayfield. And, you know, when I was thinking about Mike McCarthy being hired, somebody asked me today, they said, do you think that that's the right hire? Um, Because, you know, that they need a leader, right? And Mm -hmm. there's absolutely nothing wrong with Mike McCarthy's resume. Nothing. It's solid. You know, he did a great job in Green Bay. Well, the reason I I like Mike McCarthy is because he has a track record of working with difficult people. Like he, yeah. you know, he, he won a Super Bowl with a difficult Aaron Rodgers. So. Yeah, but okay. But when I talk about like Baker Mayfield, okay, he has a very specific personality. And if that's your guy, which it seems like it might be Mike uh, McDaniel's guy, that might be the guy who he loves. And he's not going to want to bring in anyone else. He's going to bring in guys that want to work with and around Baker Mayfield. And that'd be great. And I could see that. I really can. I could see that working. Um, I think that... He has the the personality. He has the, I don't know if it's like, you know, bravado. I think Baker Mayfield is going to like respond to a specific, a very specific kind of personality. He didn't respond well to Hugh Jackson. Um, Freddie Kitchens, I think, was more of a buddy than someone that he looked up to or respected in like a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. So I think that didn't work for that reason. So I, I do look at someone like McDaniels and I'm like, this guy can actually, I think, work with Baker Mayfield, right? I yeah. mean, that's that's my feeling. So I like him for that. Um, you know, as far as everything else, I don't know. Like, he, he's done good things in New England, which I think maybe he gets a little bit too much credit for. Yeah, I was about to say, unless your name starts with Steve and ends with Belichick, I'm wary of people coming out of the Bill Belichick coaching tree. because Absolutely. I mean, There's so many examples of people, Romeo Cornell, Eric Mangini. Matt the, Patricia. Like, yeah, I mean, the and Lions also, were a disaster this year. Abs- yes, 100%. And like, you know, I don't really like this whole coaching tree thing anyway because it all falls apart, okay? And, you know, it's, it's specifically with the Belichick thing, there's just, there's been more busts then not bust right so yeah i don't i don't like that he gets credit for being under bill belichick like i think that you know i mean yes he is under a legendary head coach and he's seeing winning and he's seeing you know one of the best quarterbacks of all time playing under one of the best head coaches of all time it's great but you know i can watch videos all day of you know people doing i don't know parkour or something like that but if i go out and try it i'm gonna break a leg yes so you know it's it's one of those things to watch something to observe something to be involved with something as an assistant as opposed to actually running it so sure you know there's there's a lot of positives for mcdaniels but i don't think that being a bill belichick disciple should be one of them no and i fully agree with you on that and also you know they the stat that was thrown out there today was that they won six Super Bowls with him as an offensive, you know, involved, not necessarily as an offense coordinator, but like yeah. involved, whether he was quarterback, coach, or whatever. 
and they they didn't want any without him. And as impressive as that is, and I get it. Like I'm not saying he's he would be a bad coach. I think that he could probably be a pretty good fit. And if he is the hire, I'll get on board with it pretty quickly. But you know, <laughs> as it stands, I mean, hello, I get on board with everything. I know. Back but as it, as, okay. <laughs> as it stands, like it, they give him a lot of credit for this. Uh, New England went ten and six, fourteen and two, and thirteen and three without him. So granted, they didn't you know win a Super Bowl, but they were still very good without him, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's. That's, I know, I, I'm not, I'm not super sold on McDaniels, um, you know, unless he does come in, like, cause I, I, I think we're a little bit opposite in that because I, one of the things that I love about you is that, you know, once the person is in, you're like a fully supportive of them. Like I'm a mm-hmm. little more like, I want to see them prove it first. So like, sure. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing backflips over Freddie Kitchens, although, you know, seeing his relationship with Baker, I was like, okay, this has potential. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think that the I just think that the idea that the Haslam's can find that that Sean McVay that like really weird rare diamond in the rough kind of situation I just don't think the Haslam's are smart enough no absolutely not so (laughs) but De Podesta might be which brings us to plan B (laughs) (laughs) all right so in this scenario I'm gonna call oh it's plan B so it's plan Brittany obviously this is is my number one scenario uh Stefanski would be head coach yes hello (laughs) your guy he's more than just a pretty face folks (laughs) let me just say that his schemes are made of dreams um Andrew Barry would probably get brought back and you know that would be under Paul DePodesta which they said today that, it, you know, he's not going to be president or whatever, but he's still going to be involved. So oh, he's yeah. going to have a say in this. And apparently Stefanski was his guy last year. That's who he wanted the Browns to, to hire. And John Dorsey wanted Freddie Kitchen. So they went the John Dorsey route. Didn't work out. So here we are. Yeah. Um, and I hate this scenario less than I hate the plan A. Uh, mm-hmm. Not just because it's plan Brittany, but uh, because... <laughs> But I do think that this is, and also Plan C, actually, I mean, Plan C is one of my favorites, and we'll get to that in a minute. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm kind of looking at this, you know, as this sort of like trying to marry the jock to the nerd, because you've got, you know, Stefanski and the jock, and you've got Dee Podesta and the nerd. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and if it's something where Dee Podesta is looking at Stefanski and saying, okay, this is my guy, you know, you've got to have those relationships. And that's kind of, you know, what I was talking about earlier in the pod, where, you know, numbers don't tell you personal relationships so mm-hmm. um you know that's that's kind of what what we're looking at so let's look at plan c plan c okay plan c and this you know i don't know how i think the most likely is mcdaniels but i think plan b and plan c are like picking up some steam slowly because it was reported say tony gross reported that mcdaniels apparently is not the person they're pursuing um, uh, I don't know if I believe that, but... Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. Like, there's so much speculation and smoke and whatever. Yes. But, like, okay, so plan C would be head coach Mike McCarthy, GM Elliot Wolf. Now, tell me why you like this. Well, I, since my guy Ron Rivera went to Washington, D.C., uh, RIP, mm-hmm. I I think that Mike McCarthy was kind of my uh, my second guy that I really wanted and I really liked just because of his relationship with Aaron Rodgers and his ability to work with someone like that. Like I said, it's that difficult personality and he managed to take a guy like Aaron Rodgers and figure him out. And I think one of the reasons why it kind of fell apart was because that relationship got kind of stale. And, Mm -hmm. but I think that, you know, when you're talking about a person that can kind of not, I don't want to say put Baker in his place, but that person that can kind of handle Baker's personality and garner that respect. I think that Mike McCarthy has that. Um, and then I also like the idea of Elliot Wolf as GM because I feel like he's kind of been like that guy that has just been working hard and never got the promotion that he deserved, you know? Yeah. He's yeah, just I, don't, been... I, I was just telling someone, I don't know that much about Elliot Wolf. And like, it's weird because like, you know, he's, he's there, but I don't, I don't have an opinion either way on him so much. I think people um, forget that Elliot Wolf exists. Yeah, maybe you know? he's he's like Deep Podesta where he just lives in the shadows. I don't know if it's necessarily like he lives in the shadows. It's probably like it's like the, the quiet person that you yeah. forget. You forget that quiet person is there because they're so quiet, but they're working hard and they're really trying to, you know, 
get your respect and get your attention and you, you know. have that mom you sound like me when i'm talking about calling sex <laughs> right now you have that mom voice where it's like oh nothing they do is bad i love them so much. <laughs> except like the difference is you're you're older than colin sexton so it's not super weird for you to be like oh he's my son but elliot wolf is much older than me so i can't be like oh <laughs> elliot wolf is my son <laughs> he's like you know what he is he's like the uncle that i'm constantly defending there you go yeah i i never defend my uncles or <laughs> You should be like your grandpa. That's why I call Joe Biden. Joe yeah. Biden's my grandpa. Your grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, I'm plan B. You're plan C. Yeah. I wonder what Brie is. We'll have to. Was, well, we'll was have... McDaniels on her list? I think he was. I, I, you know, we, you were, know? We, we recorded well, We recorded an emergency pod. What was it? Yesterday? I, like everything's just going to be in. We're in a state of emergency right I now. I know. I know. It's just going to get to the point where we're just like potting nonstop. And this podcast is only supposed to be like 30 minutes. And here we are. I know. <laughs> I know. I love how we come in and say like, oh, we're going to do a quick one. And then next thing yeah. you know, like 90 minutes later, we're still talking. But crazy. Um, if the Haslam's are going after josh mcdaniels and that's who they want there's a possibility that hire could be made sooner rather than later like if they're on board with it if josh mcdaniels is on board with it uh and the patriots are like all right you can go like that might happen as soon as saturday yeah um i don't even know if they're when are they even going to interview stefanski uh that i don't know um i think what was it mccarthy is getting his thursday his on thursday no but it will be an interesting couple of weeks who knows? We might be doing another emergency pod this weekend. <laughs> we might do another five emergency pod. <laughs> we need Brie to come back because she is a she is a voice of reason. I feel like she's kind of like a good balance between us. She's the uh, she's the center of the circle. Yes. So with with this, we're gonna the, we're gonna sign off for tonight. How's that? Yeah, we'll sign off. Um, but I'm uh, sure we'll be back in like 48 hours with another emergency podcast. Yeah. But in the meantime. <laughs> We hope everyone has a very safe and happy new year. Um, you know, we thank you for joining us this year. Yeah, I mean, you guys. yeah, we started this not not too long ago, but wow. it's um, it's been it's been fun so far, and we're really excited for where things are going to go in in twenty twenty. So, uh, if you have been with us since the beginning, which is you know five weeks ago. <laughs> we appreciate you and we love you and if you're just getting on the b train right now welcome we are so excited to have you on board write a review guys we want to hear what you have to say yes let us know rate and review on itunes spotify google play wherever you get your podcasts if we are back on our regular schedule <laughs> it'll be a wednesday Ever. release <laughs> it'll be a wednesday release uh if not we'll uh we'll talk to you next time we have an emergency Yes. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year.